Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. marketing world, I used to be on the other side. I've been the buyer of promotional products. And I think that helps a lot because I can think about what the title of a blog post might be that a marketing person's gonna search for. To talk about our ROI, about how much we've gained from that, I would say probably 95% of all the online inquiries we get from our site are from our blogs. And none of them are local. You are listening to the voice of Renya Nelson, founder of Brand Aid, as she delivered a talk at SKUCon in Las Vegas on how to build a kick-ass brand that attracts kick-ass clients. A former talent liaison and agency professional whose career already spans an impressive repertoire of work with companies like Pepsi, Trident, Sudden Ants, New York Fashion Week, South by Southwest, The Grammys, and Levi's. From humble roots, Renya first worked out of a library when she started her distributorship, and in several years, combining her passion for fashion-forward trends with intelligent branding, created one of the most admired agencies in the business. Recently featured on the cover of ASI's Counselor Magazine as a 2017 Hotlist honoree and recognized by Utah Business as one of 30 women to watch, Renya's company Brand Aid is headquartered out of Salt Lake City, and you can visit their website at brandaiding.com. At SKUCon, Renya delivered this talk in one of our jam sessions, which were short talks followed by improvisational riffs with audience. You'll hear Renya's six principles for building a kick-ass brand, followed by her answers during the Q&A. This episode is courtesy of CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. For more information or to start your free trial, visit commonskew.com. And now from SKUCon in Las Vegas, from Brand Aid, Renya Nelson. Step one, take your brand seriously. It's something that you, you know, you want to take your brand seriously, but again, not too seriously. That's why we've got the dog in here, just so you can understand that. There's a playful, there's a playful aspect in, in all this. Consistency. Consistency is the way your brand looks and feels. The feeling aspect of it is, is really important. If someone, if someone sees your brand and they can get a warm feeling, any kind of feeling that you want them to have, make, that's, that's part of consistency and making sure that consistency lasts over the life of the brand. Consistency is any materials that you put out. Make sure that they're proofread. Make sure that they still have the same kind of language. And that goes down to social media, anything. Consistency, number one. Build a brand guide. So all of us know that when we're working with big clients, they've got a brand guide. It's, it's the law for how to use their logo. And you can't use it any other way. And if you don't have something like this, start. Start with the logos, the fonts, the colors. Make sure all the employees have it. Make sure all, all your employees have access to those fonts. It's really important that you have this, and you can start this with just a simple Google Doc, but just start somewhere. Start with those three things, your logo, your font, your color. And most importantly, this is something that has to do with our industry, know what you won't put your logo on. So for us, there are plenty of products out there that we won't put our logo on because it doesn't have to do with our brand. So I'm not, we don't really put our logo on any hospital stuff because we're, we're not in the hospital industry. So that kind of gives you an example of maybe do's and don'ts. Um, with, with promo, when it comes to promo as well. Step three in this is know thyself. Define who you are and what your business is. We all are in very different, there, this is a massive industry and there's space for all of us. And make sure that you know who you are. That's really important. You don't, we can't really be all things to everyone. So once you find your niche, just stick with it. Really know who you are. 
Also, once you know who you are, it's really easy for others to find you. So if you're the queen of camo, that's awesome. It's gonna be really easy for people to find you if you're the queen of camo. Okay, step two, differentiate from the pack. There's a lot of dog theme in here. I love dogs. It's just easy to talk dog talk, you know? We're talking dog talk today. Step one in differentiate from the pack is know your breed. Know what makes you special. All dog breeds have something special about them and know what makes you special. Once you kind of understand that, it'll, it'll start to spill into your company culture. Everyone else will know what makes you special. You'll know who, what your breed is. And every breed, there's no better breed than one or the other. Chihuahuas are great, as are Greyhounds and St. Bernards and Great Danes and anything in between. Just so once you know that, everyone will, everything will follow within your company. And also, not all breeds work for all people, as we know this, any dog people out there. Step two, pick your lane. Strive to be the best at something. And some people are, you know, free, free setups, rush orders. You can be a part, like you can be a service in that sense. You can do free virtuals. You might be a specialized in the beverage industry or golf. On the supplier side, a lot of suppliers that we work with that are multi-line, that, that, that carry multi-line multi suppliers, who carry anything from a water bottle down to the pen pad, pads and everything in between. We know that there are a ton of them in the industry. Figure out what that specialty is and, and define it so that it's really easy once you're talking to a distributor for them to know exactly what you are, who you are. And we've also seen in our industry over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of suppliers go, a lot of specialty suppliers. Take Chameleon-like, for example. They stay in their lane. They know journals and, and notebooks like the back of their hand. Um, or Agadio is another great one, tech. So you know, it's, it's easy for a distributor to sell that because they, we, we know exactly what, you, what you're selling. So it's just something to keep in mind. The next point is be vulnerable. I'm just gonna be vulnerable right now. This was really hard for me to put together. I, I wasn't quite sure what it took to build a kick-ass brand that attracts kick-ass clients and it took a long time of thinking and I really wanna make sure that, I, that everyone here gets something out of it. So I'm being vulnerable and I think it's really important, especially here at SKUCon, to be vulnerable with each other. And today we saw people get on stage and be very vulnerable about what's working and what's not working for them. And there's no better place right here to, to share that with each other and ask questions and, uh, and just be open. You can even be open with your clients as well. Okay, we're on step three. Be discoverable. This is very important. People can't find you. That's ridiculous, right? So make sure it's easy for people to find you. Take a look, go online. See how easy it is for you to find you. If you're, uh, if you're on your phone, check and see uh, if you type in Google Maps and you're, and you're looking for your business, see what pops up. See how many images are pop up once, once you get to that Google map page on your phone and see uh, how easy it is to call your company. And then once you see that phone number, call your company. See what they say. See how they answer the phone. But make sure it's easy for people to find you. If you can't be found, this, none, of this is, this is, none of this works. Advertising. Not, I don't know how many people, how many of you advertise right now? Not very many, right? And it's one of those kind of scary things. We're not sure where to advertise. We're a B2B industry. For suppliers, it's much easier for you guys to advertise to distributors because you know exactly where we are on, on the multiple platforms that we're on on a daily basis or what publications we're reading. For distributors, it's, it's a different story. We've, we've made some, you know, branded, we've made quite a few mistakes over the years of thinking that we're advertising to the right person, but it turns out we're not. 
And the more you, the more you dig with your clients to find out where they're looking, that's when you're gonna find out where, where you're supposed to advertise. Trade publications, it might be a trade show. If you're a super localized business, it might be a billboard. But we're in the advertising industry, so it's important to ask your clients, where do, where do, where do they, what do they read? Where, what are they looking at? And this last point under Be Discoverable is go deep. Make sure you are who you say you are online. When, when I'm saying about the, the first step of uh, making sure it's easy to find you, social media, blog posts, all that good stuff, but then really on this go deep, it's go deep. Really act like you're a stranger for the first time. Act like you're the marketing person in your market looking for you. And then click through your website and check out all the links and make sure they all work. And, and, and that's what I mean by, uh, by go deep. Really dig. Okay, this next one. Know your client. Know your client. Know where they eat, know where they sleep, know where they take walks, know what dog parks they go to, know their owners. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Know your client, but really get to know your client. I mean, our clients have lives, they have kids. We all know these things. It's important to know who their kids are. It's important to know what, what kind of successes they're having at work, right? Just really being a part of who they are. And on the supplier side, it's important for you to know who we are or who the distributors are, what we're doing with our clients. The more you ask, the more we'll tell, the more you can't let go, we can't let go of you and vice versa. Same goes with our clients. As soon as you know more about them than, than their neighbor does at their office, they don't look, they're not gonna look anywhere else. Second point here is know their industry. I've seen a lot of industries, even this year, I wanna just uh, talk about wine, for example. Fires in Napa, that's a huge, huge thing that happened to so many vineyards and it's a big deal for the wine industry. And if you're in the wine industry, you're gonna wanna talk to your clients with extreme caution and show a lot of empathy for what's going on. And probably same with our tax guys, since uh, they have to relearn all the tax code this year. So, so things to think about when uh, really knowing your clients, just get to, know, get to know their industries. Google alerts, Google alerts are great for this. Google alerts are also great for getting to know your client. If you've got a big client, you're going after a really big client, you, could start to, you can set up a Google alert for them. You're gonna know everything that's going on with them. Shoot a quick email, hey, how's it going? I heard you guys just moved into a new market. Congratulations, you seem like a boss. Sniff their butts. What I mean by this is go through their Insta or LinkedIn pages. Find out where they went to school. What I really get to know who these people are. Like once you get that hook of knowing where someone went to college and you can talk about that on the phone or you can call Strideline and say, hey, can I get a University of Arizona pair of socks? I know that my, I just figured out that my client went to U of A. I'm just gonna surprise them one day. It's massive, massive, goes a long way. Instagram can also help with that as well, but I think staying professionally, LinkedIn, that's, a, that's to me the best way to do it. And then if you're, you're attacking a client or you're going after a client for the first time, send them a letter, send them a postcard, just some, something cool. Be, be easy and mellow, and once you get to know about them a little bit and that conversation starts rolling, it'll all start kind of going together. Step five, be a brand anthropologist. Being a brand, brand anthropologist is a, uh, a term I've been using for quite a while. Bobby really likes it and he asked me to kind of touch base on it. And brand anthropology, in my opinion, is really knowing about age, cultures, uh, economic variances in, within our culture, religion, etc. Knowing how to sell to that end user and really getting that we're all different and our, anyone we're selling to is going to be completely different than us but knowing how to really be a brand anthropologist and see 
Okay, so this, I, I was asked by a client to come up with an idea for an AARP, a Hispanic caucus of AARP, so Hispanic baby boomers, more or less. So now it's, it's taking, now we're taking a, a culture, now we're taking an age, and now like, what are we gonna serve that exact age and culture? And that's gonna be completely different from a different company who's, who's trying to go after millennials that are going to Coachella and what kind of fun giveaway event might be happening there. So I hope that makes sense with that brand anthropology thing. Next point is know how to sell to the end user. Oftentimes we're working with our, with our buyer and, and you know, they have an opinion on what's cool and this is what they want and they're picking this stuff and that's great that they're the ones picking and you want to know exactly who your buyer is. But you have to really ask your buyer, who's this for? Is this for, you know, if this is an HR person and this is for their employees, well, how old are your employees? And what do they do? What kind of industry, what, what, what do they do outside of work? And really, really trying to find out who the end user is of that product. And the next point under be a brand anthropologist is follow trends. I know this was mentioned earlier. We follow trends. I used to work for a trade show company in the fashion space. It was called Magic. Huge trade show. And it's kind of where I found, I fell in love with branding. I was able to, you know, the trade show covered everything from men's suits down to, to kids wear and shoes, everything in between. And every, every, every six months, the trade show was here, held here in Vegas. I could watch these little teeny tiny brands in a seven by seven foot booth, and I'd watch them expand and expand and expand. What was critical for me to see were the trends that were happening going on in the footwear industry and the apparel industry and all these different trends and then boom, you see them happens in our industry as well. Watching, to me, the best place to do this is, is sitting at an airport and just watching people walk by. How many people have headphones on that go over their ears? How many people are wearing wireless buds? I can't wear wireless buds. I wear over the ear. So all these technology trends, like how many of us are using those things? Just, just keep your eye on them. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. Some suppliers are supplying them, Chair. They really are. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing. There's a lot of digging. We do a lot of digging at Branding to find those diamonds in the rough with, again, some of those multi-line multi reps. You know, they'll come, they'll come to our office, right, and show us some of the new things. And some of the new things look exactly like the other multi-line supplier. And going, uh-uh, I don't want to see this. As a supplier and as a supplier rep, any, any rep that's going to visit any distributors, make sure you find what those differentiating products are. Just the other day, Brad Langton, big, big fan of Brad Langton. I don't know if any of you guys are in the West or if, he, if you guys know Brad, he's a great guy. Brad came in and he had a bunch of, he's a multi-line rep, had a bunch of catalogs with him and he pulls out his Illini catalog and he showed me that, oh yeah, we've got the campfire mugs. And I said, cool, are they actually metal? And he said, yeah, they are. I said, well, everyone else has ceramic. So this is cool. Like you got, you got to know these things because everyone else is carrying the ceramic ones. Campfire mugs are cool again but I want a metal one because my clients are asking for metal. So it's up to suppliers to kind of know. Suppliers, you gotta know who your other people are, right? You gotta know your competition, what your competition is carrying. And as distributors, we have a lot of stuff to look through, but find those really cool products within, within those product lines that are different. And Charity, I think that's the only way through it. They, everyone is carrying something that's cool and trendy. It just takes a long time to look. And suppliers, if you wanna do us a favor, help us out and just show us what you got that nobody else has. Okay, so this slide, repeat and refine, and I can show you right here. This is the first version of our St. Bernard. This became a trial. We tried to integrate the B and the A, and then, you know, we tried putting them on a side. And then at one point, 
because I'm really neurotic when it comes to design and I want things symmetrical and we couldn't cut the face in half and make it symmetrical. I was like, you know, we're getting rid of the dog. We're getting rid of him, he's out. But turns out everyone likes the dog. So this, this, this step right here, repeat and refine, you're gonna find, and I'm sure you already have, I'm sure many of you have tried a, a version of your logo and seen if it works and given it some time. Again, going back to that consistency, don't, don't swap it out all the time, give it some time. Really give it some time. We've hung on to our original St. Bernard for a very long time. Okay, so think of it like software. The reason I said, said this is because we're at SKU, Common SKU. Catherine's had version one, she's had version two now. Apple now is at iPhone 10. It started with one. There are gonna be versions. You gotta remember that it's gonna get better over time. So just think of it like software. You might have a 1.0 of your logo, and once your 2.0 version starts, give it some time, let it try, let it sink in, see how people like it. And if you have a strong logo, don't go, don't vary too far off of that. And you'll notice all the big brands, when all the big old school brands, Quaker, Taco Bell, any Discover card, they've all made changes over the years and they're so subtle, Verizon, that we barely notice. So, so just, you know, remember, just barely, barely touch it. And respect your brand. Once you start really showing your brand respect and all your marketing materials on your website, anything that, any, any kind of, uh, any handouts, anything that you give them, you'd be amazed how much your buyers admire you for it. It's just, it's really important. Just respect your brand and they will see, they will see, notice, and they'll give you a lot of props for it. And then the last one, feel things out, test it, like we did. We tested a lot of different things. And another thing that I really want to point out, if this isn't, if this isn't something you're good at and you don't feel very like secure about maybe branding in the first place, there are a lot of people out there that can make your brand look great and you don't have to let it go through your head about how to do it yourself. So many great graphic designers out there. It won't cost you a ton of money. And once you do it, everything will change for you. Once you have a solid brand, it's a game changer. Any questions? That's a good question. That's a, so the question is, if a client has a $250 per person budget, do we curate A, B, and C for them? Or are we gonna let them choose from a presentation full of stuff and they can kind of pick and choose? So I have a problem with doing it the first way. I'm the type that kind of takes a little too long, I read into it, and I take a really like much longer time than I should. Whereas my team, they're really great at closing quickly. They'll show them the options and kind of make suggestions, but not really go, not go all the way until, until we know we're in bed with each other. And you, you know that once you're, we all know once, it's, once we're getting to closing time, but I, I would say at, at first, don't, don't, don't make more work for yourself unless you really, really know how to curate those items. I've done it in the past, and it turns out I, I kind of complicate things for the buyer a little bit too much. So it's up to you, but I would say let them choose first. And it kind of depends on your clients. Some, some clients you know like want it your way, um, but I think over time, you're not gonna have as much time to, to do that. So unless you know that they're, they're really ready to go and you know that this might get you 50,000 bucks, then do it. What do you mean by, what do you compete with agencies? Typically, a brand like Coca-Cola, and, and you know, this is about attracting kick-ass clients. We work with a ton of agencies and those agencies go out and get all those kick-ass clients. Now we've been able to build our own roster of clients for a long time. So just for a long time, we worked with a lot of agencies and that's how we got 
okay, here we go, we're working with Visa, now we're working with Chase, now we're working, you know, X, Y, Z, this is great, not necessarily, we're not working, we're not calling Chase directly right now, that agency hooked Chase, and we, we support that agency. A lot of the big brands have those agencies in place, and they don't want to get rid of those contacts, because they're paying them a retainer. I don't, working with Coca-Cola, so is, sorry, let me just ask you a question, is it working with Coca-Cola directly, or is it, you want to be the support to that agency at that point because that agency, they have, they have graphic designers on hand. That's what they do. They're a marketing ad agency. They're going to put together all these great things that probably can't be produced. They, <laughs> and then they hand it to you to quote it out and then you drive a supplier insane and you have to like make something happen. But let them do all that hard work and be the sourcer behind them. So, so let the, that big agency know, like, look, You've got the hard job of making sure Coca-Cola is happy. So I'll make sure you're happy. So let them do that work. Send it to you after. I mean, you can always up, you know, give them ideas, but yeah. Does that, make, does that answer the question? OK, I hope it did. I want more questions. Yes, please. I think you have to go out and go to these places where they are. I mean, get out of the mountains. Crawl out of the mountains. Get out. Go out. Go down the hill. <laughs> Find out, okay, so let's talk about baby boomers, for example. Huge, huge demographic, baby boomers and millennials. The poor generation between those two is like, shut up. But let's just talk about them because they're easy to talk about. What, okay, you get it. So with baby boomers right now, baby boomers are such a huge population. I'm sure even the cannabis industry is freaking out because now baby boomers are like going back to like, yeah, we'll smoke weed now. But so baby boomers, you just have to find out where the baby boomers are going when they're all together. In my opinion, they're going, like, they're definitely going skiing. They're definitely going skiing. They're going to go to outdoor concert series um, and a lot of plays. They've got a lot more expendable cash. So if you can start to find out where those, you know, maybe where those uh, local events are, where they might be going, <coughs> hunt those down and just sit and watch, you know? Just be, a, just, just be a spectator. And especially the resort. If you're close to a resort and you go into a resort merch, merch area, that's mostly also for them because it's a high price point and I'm not buying it, but none of us are probably. It's uh, a good question though. I hope I answered it. Yes. So with giving it a try, giving it a try. I think our dog is awesome. Our dog represents, I mean, our motto is first aid for brand awareness. The St. Bernard represents first aid. The guy who's, the, the dog who's gonna go into the Alps and take his casket of brandy and find that skier who just fell down. Like, I love that story. Right. So that dog has a lot to do with our brand, right? Because it's just, it's, just, it's just a good story. Talk about Bobby LaHue, stories are like everything in branding. Mine, mine have become, been mostly because of just aesthetic reasons. Like, like I said, I, I, I really like symmetry and I've never been able to cut that dog in half. So he can only go on certain things and that can drive me a little mad. But then we also have the bar as our logo, which by the way, this was just our logo for a long time. And when you put it on uh, white, the, the cross is red. And the American Red Cross has called us two times for season assist to, uh, to cut it out. So we had to turn it into a bar and then they shut up. So it's, it's really me. I think it's just, it's, I'm, I'm really, really focused on making sure that the brand evolves all the time. Brand, 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 brand. We work with brands, we might as well have a kick-ass brand too, right? So it's been about five years. Just test it, see how it looks. Mm -mm. 
you'll, you'll feel, right? But not typically on things that are going out to customers, just stuff like internally at the office. And that's a, that's a great way to start, is if you're gonna try something, print it out, put it around the office, if people like it, awesome, then maybe, maybe start talking about 2.0. Sweet. So a couple questions for you. Um, your blogging is really, really tight. Thank you. Are you organically coming up with all your blogging? Uh-huh. Number one. And number two, have you tracked your ROI on blogging? Uh, the answer to one, yes, we're doing all of our own uh, blogging. We all, well, I came from the marketing world. I used to be on the other side. I, I've, I've been the buyer of promotional products. And I think that helps a lot because I, for me, because I can think on, my, on the, my feet pretty quickly about what the title of a blog post might be that a marketing person's gonna search for. And to talk about our ROI, about how much we've uh, gained from that, I would say, and Andre, Andre, my partner in crime and my best friend in the world, can also say that uh, probably 95% of all the online inquiries we get um, from our site are from our blogs and none of them are local. So we're not a local business. Like we've, we've never positioned ourselves as a local business. Uh, plenty of, there are plenty of distributors in Salt Lake City that are around us. We don't, we're, not even, we're not trying to do that or anything, but yeah, thanks for uh, digging the blogs. I'll tell, I'll tell our, our blog writers. That's solid. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. It's a big compliment. Hi. Yeah, and I think, you know, with mistakes, there's always a lesson, right? You're supposed to make a mistake for a reason, I think. The universe was supposed to tell you to do that thing that maybe didn't necessarily get the return that you wanted. And um, mistake, well, we, we sponsored something this year. We sponsored a, a big outdoor festival this year. And we didn't, it didn't, we wanted to do it so that we could invite our clients to come to it. And some of them did, some of them didn't but it didn't really result in anything directly for us, right? We didn't, we didn't see any immediate spend. After thinking about that a lot and going, okay, well, should we have not have been there? I think, no, we probably should have. Was it, we, could we probably negotiate our terms a little bit different next time? Absolutely, just so that we have that placement so that we can be in, in, in the VIP area during a Roots concert in the summertime, because that's, that's, that's our company culture. So it may have not been like the best, like, it, it may have not, returned us clients or customers, but it was still good for us as a company, right? Um, but I, th I think now, like now when we're thinking about advertising, we're, we're not thinking, um, we're thinking about publications, like trade publications that aren't in our, in, like that aren't obviously our industry, but then our clients might be, or clients that we want to go for, are reading on a daily basis. And those, are, those might be emails that people get. You know, when I lived in LA, like there are all these emails that um, the entertainment industry gets all the time. Um, like you know the second Harvey Weinstein gets like anything, and the second, like I'm not kidding, like to the minute, right? And so those are powerful, that has powerful readership because every day at 2.30, like thousands of those are getting opened up at the same time. Well, you might, th that might be something that your client will tell you that they're reading right, that you might not know about because you're not getting that email, but you being a part of that email e-blast could be huge. You know what I'm saying? Okay. More questions? Yes. I'm just super curious when you built this kick-ass brand is how do you guys stay competitive from an online 
perspective, you know, the landscape's getting really saturated with you know, people that are just super savvy, and um, especially the clients that you're talking about, they're always looking for, obviously, the best values. Mm -hmm. How does Brandate supersede some of that online sifting? That's a good question. We, um, we're currently investing in some software to help us with some of those little baby clients that we don't have time to consult with. And consulting is a great word. We use it all the time as well because that's how we approach our clients. And a lot of the products that we sell are to our clients, a lot of them are custom. We're in, like, we do it just from packaging down to the product itself. And when you're in that custom space, they, don't, they can't go anywhere else for that to figure out what that price is. So the margins are much better on, in our favor. So when you know we can we can we approach it like it's a project it's a project right we're working with our client on that project it's not going to take two weeks if they see something online and send it to us we're open with them about it like sure if you want to go get that go get that you know we'll get people who send us a mock up like oh I just did this on discountmugs.com we're like cool go finish your checkout process because we don't want you like you, we just don't want a client like that. And that's been really hard, and I've, I've learned this over like the years of coming to SKUCon, of just trying to be, you know, really, once you know your breed, you also know who you don't want in your dog park. You know, it's like, no, we're good. We, we've got plenty of great clients. We don't need you, because you're just gonna, you're gonna cut us down on price, and we're too small. And we, you know, we got overhead, and all that other good stuff. Does that answer it? Yeah, it okay. does, thank you. So yeah, it's like, we all, Amazon's out there now, whatever. We can't all be scared forever. There's so much business for all of us. Once you know what you're great at though, which we're all great at different things in here, and we can all support each other, and knowing like, if I get a call for a camo something, I wanna know who I can tell. Who, who owns the camo, who knows hunters? I don't, I don't know them. I'd love to be able to share that business instead of take it on myself, because I don't wanna learn yet another industry. I have to keep knowing the industries I service the best. Does that make sense? Any other questions? Yes. Can you tell us the story about like, your first big win? Huh? Big win. Um, so I started my business in Los Angeles, and I was working out of my house, wound up uh, moving back to Salt Lake. I was born and raised in Salt Lake, and got a call from a company I used to work for, a marketing agency. And they said, hey, we just landed this massive wireless client. It's going to be huge. And I said, great, cool. And they said, hey, can you, okay, can you build a web store that will service 5,700 stores? And I'm like, of course I can. <laughs> and I'm, I'm at the library, okay? Like, I'm not kidding. I'm at the library. Of course, of course I can. Anyway, that turned into, okay, I got to figure out how to do this, right? Got to figure out how to do this. And then they said, oh, you know what? Turns out we also need a crazy, crazy, crazy huge amount of XYZ products. And um, I wound up getting like seven of the, you know, 12 that they quoted out. And uh, they needed them by a certain date. And I placed all the orders. I was able to get a deposit from the client. This was like, I was racing, like sweating, going crazy. And I wound up needing, I, ne I needed like a couple hundred grand to finish the order. And I was starting to talk to like, I was calling, I was calling ASI and being like, what, what do I do? Oh yeah, you can do this thing called factoring. And basically once I did the calculations, I'm like, cool, I'm gonna lose money on this order, no way. I called every single bank under the sun. No, 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 you don't have enough uh, history. We're not, no, 
It's not going to happen. So I wind up convincing my dad to open his IRA. And uh, yeah, and he did it. And he did it. <laughs> Good dad, right? I said, just trust me. I promise they're going to pay as soon as, the, as, soon as, as soon as the goods are received. But I need to pay the factory to ship the product. I'm freaking out. Like, I was freaking out. I couldn't, I couldn't even, like, eat or anything for, like, two weeks straight. I was dying. And so he got me the money. I got the suppliers the money. And I had 17 days until that next check came in. The 17th day, I got paid the deposit from the client and got my dad his money back 17 days plus 10% uh, of the interest. So with that, go forth and kick ass. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Skewcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to Skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.